The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Advent is from Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will spring up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will be delighted with the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, nor will he render decisions based on what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the poor, and he will render fair decisions in favor of the oppressed on the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath from his lips he will put the wicked to death. Righteousness will be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his hips. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze together, and their young ones will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the cattle. The nursing child will play near a cobra's hole, and the weaned child will put his hand into a viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is what will take place on that day. The people will seek the root of Jesse, who will be standing like a banner for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 15. Indeed, what was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through patient endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we would have hope. And may God, the source of patient endurance and encouragement, grant that you agree with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that with one mind, in one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, accept one another as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. For I am saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. He also did this so that the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, For this reason I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. And again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples give him praise. And again, Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse, and he will be the one who will rise up to rule the Gentiles. On him the Gentiles will place their hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe, so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Yes, this is he of whom this was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. 
Then Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not think of saying to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that that God is able to raise up children for for Abraham from these stones. Already the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who comes after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today I'd like to speak with you about broadening our understanding of the end times. When the end times come to mind, we often think of Christ's second coming to judge the living and the dead. We think of heaven and hell the life everlasting and the death everlasting. These are indeed end times things which haven't happened yet. What I'd like to do today is pan out the camera a little bit. Instead of focusing in on things that are going to happen in the future, I'd like, to, I'd like you to see how we have already been living in the end times for quite some time. In fact, with Christ's first coming, the end times were already ushered in. In order to show how this is so, I'll be briefly referring to all three of our readings this morning. Our first reading from Isaiah is a prophecy about the coming Christ and the coming end times. The prophet Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus was born. He foresaw how the kings descended from Jesse, King David's father, would be cut down. They'd become a stump. But from the royal line of David, a king eventually would be born, and that's Jesus. A branch grows out of that stump, and a branch that grows out of a stump is nothing much to look at, and so it was with Jesus. He had no attractiveness and no majesty. He was born in a stable, and most people laughed at the idea of him being king. But as Isaiah says in our reading, the spirit of the Lord rested upon Jesus. This happened at the Jordan River when Jesus was baptized by John. This was when Jesus was anointed. And he wasn't just anointed by oil or by water, but as he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit rested upon him in the form of a dove. Isaiah describes what Jesus the anointed, Jesus the Christ, would be like. 
He would be wise. He would judge well. He would be righteous and faithful. Isaiah also says some strange things about incompatible animals being compatible with one another, wolves and sheep and bears and cattle, and we'll come back to that later. That is the end times work that Jesus brings about. But let's move on to what our gospel reading talks about. Our gospel reading describes John the Baptist's preaching. He says, repent, because the kingdom of God is near. That is a very end times kind of message. John was the forerunner, the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. When John speaks about Christ in our reading, he talks about him bringing judgment about heaven and hell. He says, his winnowing shovel is in his hand. A winnowing shovel was the way that they used to thresh grain. When the grain was harvested, it was mixed with the husks and the thrash. And to separate the kernels, which they wanted, from the husks, which were useless, they tossed this mixture into the air on a breezy day, and the wind would blow the lighter husks away, and the denser, heavier grain would fall to the earth much more quickly, and then they'd gather up that grain. John says, Christ's winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here you see that the work of the Christ is to thresh, to sort. The good is to be separated from the bad. This is why we must repent, because the kingdom of God is near. And toward that end, as John the Baptist says, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, there are a lot of things I might want to say about this, but I'll limit myself to just a couple points. Notice how the Holy Spirit is given to those who are baptized, just as the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, according to Isaiah's prophecy. The Christ has the Holy Spirit, and those whom Christ baptizes are given the Holy Spirit. It's so very easy for us to despise baptism and think that it's just nothing, a splash of water or a photo op for the new baby. What John the Baptist says is that it's real and effective, like fire, giving the Holy Spirit the other thing I'd like to point out is how having the Holy Spirit is of the end times. And the Holy Spirit is how it all comes about. How do we repent? It's only by the Holy Spirit that there may be genuine repentance, not fake repentance. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom so that we may know the times, so that we may know that the kingdom of God is near. The Holy Spirit alone makes anyone believe in Jesus as the Christ. The Holy Spirit fights against and will ultimately conquer evil spirits, including our own evil spirit, so that we are not like the chaff that is burned up in the unquenchable fire. The Christ has the Holy Spirit, 
and the Christ gives the Holy Spirit to those he baptizes. Finally, I'd like to say something about the end times from our epistle reading. Paul is marveling over the Gentiles who have been converted by the Holy Spirit to believe in Jesus as the Christ. The first Christians were all Jews. They were blood descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even at Pentecost, when 3,000 repented and were baptized, those also were Jews. It wasn't until a little time later that uncircumcised Gentiles received the Holy Spirit so that they could say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit blew these first Christians away. They couldn't believe it. It took some getting used to. But it was a fulfillment of what was prophesied beforehand in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, it is said that during the end times, the Gentiles will come streaming into Zion, streaming into the mountain of the Lord, streaming into the temple. At the time that those prophecies were made in the Old Testament, Gentiles would have had nothing to do with the true God. Gentiles worship devils and money. Gentiles do not know the words and promises of God. In fact, according to God's own law in the Old Testament, only those who are circumcised and who follow the law of Moses are allowed near the temple, and only those descendants of Aaron are able to actually enter it. But at the death of Jesus, this was changed. The curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The dividing wall between God and us, the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, was broken down. Jesus is the fulfillment and the culmination of the Old Testament. His body is the temple, the dwelling place of God. His body was put to death, and three days later it was rebuilt. All who believe and are baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all nations, so that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Gentiles believing in Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies that during the end times the Gentiles will come streaming into the temple. Gentiles who believe in Jesus are streaming into the dwelling place of God. So in our epistle reading, Paul quotes one Old Testament passage after another that talks about this end times event. For this reason I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. And again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples give him praise. And again, Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse, and he is the one who will rise up to rule the Gentiles. On him the Gentiles will place their hope. You can tell that Paul is in something of an ecstasy. It's thrilling to him to see this end times prophecy being fulfilled before his very eyes. Paul could see this clearly with the eyes of faith, and that is the only way that anybody is ever going to see it. It is not apparent to the eyes of reason. Believing in a crucified man 
who is supposedly risen from the dead, is not very impressive to our reason. The Gentiles who were being converted also were not the big shots. They were slaves and widows and soldiers and poor people. Those were the Gentiles whom Paul knew. And that's not all that impressive. Plus, they weren't even making impressive pilgrimages to the temple in Jerusalem. Instead, all that was happening is that they were confessing their faith that Jesus Christ is my Lord. They were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And such things have never been impressive to the eyes of our reason. And therefore, they get despised, even down to this very day. But this in itself is fulfillment of prophecy. Mary says in the Magnificat, The Lord has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent empty away. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. In fact, it is written in the Old Testament, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will bring to nothing. God's continual working with his word and sacraments is an article of faith. It will by no means be seen by everyone. That, however, does not mean that it is not real. So as you look at our readings today, I'd like you to see how they are about the end times. A part of the end times has to do with things that will happen in the future. Judgment, heaven and hell. The larger part of the end times, however, has already happened and is ongoing. The end times were begun with the woman's seed, Mary's seed, coming to life in her womb, even though she was a virgin. The end times were underway when the branch from the stump of Jesse was anointed by the Holy Spirit in the Jordan River. The end times were continuing with a fulfillment when Jesus was judged and condemned on the cross and end times kinds of things happened on Good Friday. Darkness, earthquakes, rocks were split, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. And what can be more end-timesy than the rising of the dead? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is the first fruits of those who sleep. He is the firstborn of the dead. Jesus then ascended into heaven and now reigns and rules during these end times from the right hand of God the Father. How does he reign and rule? It is by his word and sacraments. We are now living in that millennium that is mentioned in Revelation, the time of Jesus' ruling. That began at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people, man and woman, young and old. Jesus is reigning with the preaching of the gospel. Jesus is now baptizing, giving his Holy Spirit, causing people to be born again so that they can see the kingdom of God. Jesus is now giving his end times banquet at his supper, 
giving his own body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. All of this is so that we may be saved. And saved from whom? Saved from ourselves, our loveless, selfish ways, so that we may become like God. By God's power, we are being renewed in love, which will be brought to completion in the life to come. That life to come will be strange because we will be completely changed. And here I'd like to go back to what Isaiah says in our Old Testament reading. Incompatible creatures are made to be compatible. The wolf will, lie down, will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze together, and their young ones will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the cattle, and the nursing child will play near the cobra's hole, and the wean child will put his hand into a viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. They will not hurt or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. That is the hope laid up for us. The Holy Spirit works life and love through Christ. Hurt and destruction are so common. The number of people who have been abused, sexually assaulted, bullied, and so on is unbelievable. Hardly anyone can make it through unscathed. And tragically, flesh and blood can't learn from this. So many of those who were abused then go on to be abusers themselves. Like begets like. Not so in the end times, however. The bear, the lion, the cobra, they should all be a certain way. But their natures are changed by the knowledge of the Lord. That which used to hurt, hurts no more. There is hope, then, even for us who have sinned, who have hurt, who have destroyed. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. So the end times are not just about the dramatic, obvious signs and wonders in the future. We are already living in the end times. Jesus already is risen from the dead. Jesus already is reigning and ruling at the right hand of God the Father. The Holy Spirit is being poured out, and the Gentiles are streaming into Zion. People are being baptized, receiving the Lord's Supper. People are believing that Jesus is their Lord and are being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. These current, ongoing things are the main course, so to speak, of the end times. Desert, you might say, is that which is to come. The peace of God that transcends all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.